0: Oh, good, I don't have to tell you to be seated. <laughs> all right, you all did it on your own. Well, good morning. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Um, before I pray to start off the message, I do need your help. So, so bear with me here. Um, I'm going to ask you to say a few things, OK? Old kind of Pentecostal type of stuff. So what I need you to say... On the count of three, I'm going to need you to say, you're not Kevin, all right? So one, two, three. You're not Kevin. Whoa, thank you. I appreciate that. On the count of three, I'm going to need you to say, you're not Nicholas. One, two, three. You're not Nicholas. Oh, thank you. Now, one more. This is more of encouragement. It says, on the count of three, say, Dave, just be yourself. One, two, three. Thank you. I hope you know what you just got yourself into, uh, because I'm a little different in some cases. But it's nice to see you all this morning. So I'm going to pray. And uh, this prayer is going to be a little bit different than just praying for the message, because something that's been speaking in my heart ever since I was asked to, to speak today is this phrase that Jesus told the disciples. Freely you've received, freely give. And over my lifetime, I've received multiple healings in my back. So I'm gonna pray for healings in backs this morning before we start. Would that be okay? So Heavenly Father, right now I pray for everyone here this morning and those who are online, by the way, welcome, all you online right now. And to everyone who hears this recording, Father, I thank you right now for the adjustments of their spines, from their neck all the way down to their tailbones. Father, I thank you for the adjustment of their shoulder blades and their pelvic bones. Father, I thank you for the reversal of all subluxations in their cervicals, in their thoracic, and in their lumbars, and in their sacrum. Father, I thank you for the return of the spinal curves, the natural curve that belongs there. And Father, I thank you that we speak against scoliosis and ask for that to be healed in the name of Jesus. Father, we just receive all that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And Father, as we come before you with the word, Father, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we definitely say you're welcome this morning. Use us all as I speak and as everyone listens. As your word goes forth, allow our hearts to actually receive your word. Heal our eyes so that we can see. We ask for that salve that you promised. Heal our ears so that we can hear. And heal our hearts so that we can actually understand. Father, we receive that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we have been talking, the, the pastors have been talking about the way of Jesus. And we've had a, a number of messages that way. We are going to keep on that topic um, the way of Jesus. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Because uh, rather than talking about another way, I'm going to be talking about the person, Jesus. Because um, uh, <clears throat> rather than point out another way, uh, the way actually is Jesus himself. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we want to start walking in the ways of Jesus, we really have to keep our eyes on Jesus we need to be looking to him if we're going to be doing anything for him when we try to do things for him without looking to him that's when we are setting ourselves up to be a Pharisee that is when we are setting ourselves up to to fall into the propensity of our own hearts that want to do something to earn it from God. We wanna earn that love. We wanna earn that acceptance before God. It's an easy ditch for us to fall into that we wanna prove ourselves by the things we're doing. We wanna prove ourselves to God by the amount of time we spend reading his word or the amount of time we pray or the amount of money that we give or so on. We want to prove ourselves to God. And when we fall into that ditch, it, it just sets us up to be a Pharisee. And uh, where we're trying to earn it, and not only do we try to earn it, we're just really not nice to those who aren't as good as we are, right? So that's what we, I want to get kind of the focus on this morning. So if you want to successfully walk in the ways of Jesus as we continue to talk about them, I think it's important that we have to be looking to Jesus to make that possible or even sustainable in our lives. So with that, keep this logical statement in your mind. If you're looking at your life and you're not successfully doing the works of Jesus you're not looking to him correctly. Look to him and discover who that is. So that's what we're going to try to work on this morning. To do that, we're going to go to the book of Hebrews, one of my favorite books to be in. Uh, And we're going to start in verse 12. Just to prove my point, so we have the word of God on this as well. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Did you know that was in the Bible? Sin that clings so closely? Just just letting you know that. that. That should be kind of freeing. The Bible identifies that's the truth. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Now, forget the rest of that for the moment. That's just talking about who Jesus is. We'll get to some of that. But I want to focus on just the phrase, looking to Jesus. Now, look at this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the writer just got done with chapter 11, which gave uh, Old Testament sate after Old Testament sate. Abel, Noah, Abraham, and so on, of all these men and women who had faith before God and were counted righteous before God because of their faith. So we have this great cloud of witnesses, but not only chapter 11, but you have all the other 10 chapters before that, which the author is pointing to as a witness to what he's talking about right now. So we have this great cloud of witness. So because of that, we let us—that's you, by the way. He's not talking about cabbage or broccoli or anything like that. He's talking about you. Let us, let you and I, lay aside every weight. Now, if weights were easy to lay aside, he wouldn't have to be telling us to do that. And every sin which clings tightly or closely. Now, the word sin in this passage is a noun, not a verb or in the plural sense. Singular, it's noun. Now, a lot of scholars will tell you when in the Bible you see the word sin as a noun, it speaks of the sin nature of man versus his actions, and that's really strong if you go into the letter of John, just in his first chap- uh, first, uh, the first chapter of 1 John, you'll see all the noun versus the plural, the singular versus the plural, which helps open up that passage if you understand when John's talking about sin nature versus your actions. So here, in some translations, have actually the participle the in front of the word sin, the sin. So, and the sin which clings closely. So he's, in my mind, I'm thinking he's talking about sin nature here. He's not talking about specific actions. Just the fact that you're still stuck on this planet, still have sin to deal with. Not only in your own nature, but the nature of everyone around you. The nature of all the nations of the world. Is that making sense? Okay. So he's now giving us basically a kind of a command to lay aside... These weights, which again, if it was easy, we wouldn't be talking about it. And number two, sin that clings tightly. Now, how do we do that? I can't do it on my own. Fortunately, this passage, the the sentence is not completed yet. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely Oh, and besides, you're also supposed to run with endurance, a race set before you. So now you've got weights to let go, sin to let go, and you have a race you have to run with endurance. And by, this, by, by the way, this race is until you stop breathing. So however long that is, that's your race. And you're supposed to do it with endurance. This gets heavy. All right. Unless we continue in the verse, which says, "Looking to Jesus." So now, if we're going to hear this right, listen to this. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set that is set before us, looking to Jesus. I'm saying to you this morning, that's the secret. To successfully laying the weight down, letting go of the sin that clings so tightly. What did Jesus say in his gospels? All you who are labor and are heavy laden, what does he say? Come to me. He's not asking you to drop the burden or heavy laden first before you can come to him. He says, if you're laboring heavily and you're heavy laden, come to me. Jesus is always begging us to come to him, no matter where you're at right now. So the way of Jesus requires us to be looking to Jesus for everything about the way, so he can be the one who transforms us. He's not looking for you to transform yourself. HE WANTS TO BE THE TRANSFORMER IN YOUR LIFE, THE OPTIMIST PRIME, JUST IN CASE YOU DIDN'T CATCH THAT. <laughs> HE WANTS TO BE THE TRANSFORMER. HE WANTS TO BE THE ONE CHANGING YOU EVERY DAY. BECAUSE AS SOON AS YOU STEP OUT AND START TAKING GLORY FOR ANYTHING YOU HAVE ACHIEVED FOR GOD, THE ENEMY IS RIGHT THERE TO PAT YOU ON THE BACK. It's better to let Jesus take the glory for what he achieves in your hearts. So to do this, you can do this a couple of different ways. One, you can look to the word of God. Let's, how do we look to Jesus? Where is he? You know, where is Jesus? So we do this a couple of different ways. One, we, go, we have a Bible now before us. Now, at the time the book of Hebrews was written, they didn't have a Bible, not a New Testament. They only had a Greek Old Testament that they had access to the Jews wouldn't let them touch the Hebrew writings so they um, they had the Septuagint so they they had the Greek test uh, Old Testament that they could use uh, for the for a lot of the churches but they didn't a lot of the people didn't read they didn't have their own Bibles now we've got them on our computers and our phones and you've got how many translations in your own house already and at this time they were you know if lucky if you know if you go to china they're ripping out pages we're told out of one bible and and sharing them around okay but we do have the bible so everyone say praise the lord amen we have it okay too much who is given much is expected sorry that's a little weighty but it's true you have the bible so we can be looking to the gospels we can be looking to the new testament we can be looking to the law and Prophets. The law and prophets define Jesus absolutely. When Jesus was uh, walking on the road to Emmaus with those two guys who were just sad about what happened and he finally revealed himself to them, what did he do? He showed everything from the law through the prophets concerning Jesus. He's in there if you, really, if you want to find him. And of course, the Psalms and the Proverbs. But the main key of really understanding on how do you look for Jesus, it's simply got to be by faith. There's no connection that you have with Jesus Christ right now outside of faith. You have to believe he's real. You have to believe he is who he says he is and who the word actually points him to be. There are a lot of people who study the word who don't believe in Jesus. You have to, if you want to be able to lay aside the weights and the sin that so easily clings. So how we're going to do that this morning is we're going to look to another passage in Hebrew, and we're going to focus on two aspects of Jesus this morning. Jesus as our high priest and Jesus as our intercessor. Hmm, that sounds like fun. You might be thinking, I didn't sign up for this theological lecture. Is it time to go home yet? No, you're okay. Hopefully I've already set you up. Then I'm, I'm not boring, I hope. So we'll see. But Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. One of my favorite passages right there. Spent a lot of time in that passage. A lot of times when I'm just trying to get into the presence of the Lord, I'll go to Hebrews 14, verse 16, just to remind me. He's inviting me in. I don't care how I was just a moment ago. I don't care how I was last night. I don't care how I was for the whole week. He's the one inviting me in. But what does it mean about the high priest? So Jesus is our great high priest. So what? Why is that a big deal? Why is it important for us to know that and to keep that confession? If you remember, at the end of that verse, it says, hold fast that confession. So since we have this great high priest, well, the high priest, first of all, was a man. He had to be human to be the high priest. Ergo, why Jesus had to do incarnation, not only for the sacrifice, that he made, which Easter we'll be talking about a lot, but also because the high priest had to be human. So Jesus was human. We know that. And he had to be chosen from among men and chosen by God. The book of Hebrews states this out clearly, that this is the reason and why Jesus was chosen. He represents men to God. The high priest represents us to God. He still does. Well, we don't have earthly high priests, thank the Lord, but we have Jesus, who is our great high priest, continually representing us before God with the one eternal type of sacrifice that he created. So he makes that possible. The high priest was responsible for offering five different types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. The burnt offering and the sin offering. Those were for sin, the sin nature, and our sin actions. And that was so that we could live forgiven before God. Jesus offered that sacrifice. Another sacrifice was the guilt or trespass offering. That was so we could live restored before God and one another. The trespass offering helps us restore our relationships that are broken down here. And Jesus was that offering. You have a broken relationship, Jesus can be your sacrifice to fix that relationship. If you look to him. He was our peace offering, amen. That allows us to be united with Christ. We have peace with God. So now I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And that's because Jesus offered the peace sacrifice before God as our high priest. And then there's the fellowship or the grain offering. That allows us to be known by God. We're not just talking about the fact that he knows all the hairs on your head. He can number them and so forth. He does that for everybody in the whole world. But when you're looking to Jesus, you are known by him. And... He can be known by you. The old Israelites didn't have that. The high priest in the Old Testament days was the only one to go into the presence of God. So since we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, why is it important to look at Jesus as our high priest? Because as the high priest goes, so do the people. Just look at the Old Testament history of the high priest. If the high priest was godly and seeking God, it went well for Israel. If he wasn't, if he was ungodly and seeking his own ways, it went really bad for Israel. So the high priest is really important in our lives, knowing who he is, seeing Jesus as the high priest. Earthly men were limited by death. But Jesus was raised to an endless life. So he becomes a high priest at a different caliber. He didn't come from the line of Aaron. According to Hebrews, the the book of Hebrews, he came from the line according to Melchizedek. Let's not start talking about him. So Jesus passed through the heavens... What does that mean? If we go to Hebrews 9, 12, it says that he entered, he being Jesus, entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Someone say, thank you, Jesus, amen. So he passed through the heavens. So here you have Jesus who was the sacrifice, but you still needed a high priest to offer the sacrifice to God. So he raised Jesus from the dead so he could be ascended into heaven, taking his own blood into heaven and presenting it to God for us. That's a possible rendition of the whole thing. It's very plausible. Because here it says, once for all into the holy places, not the blood of goats, but his own blood, he brought to the holy places, the holiest of all. Not the blood of goats and bulls, goats and calves, but his own blood, he brought to the holiest of all. To do the same thing, the Old Testament high priest was supposed to do because all that were types in shadow of what was yet to come. Hebrews 9, 23 to 24 says this. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. Okay? Let's explain that. That's talking about the Old Testament tent tabernacle here on the earth and the temples. Solomon Temple and so on, that those were copies of the heavenly things and they were purified by the blood of goats and bulls and calves. Okay? But the heavenly things themselves, this is now the heaven where God is, the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. So we needed a better sacrifice for the heavenly holiest of all, better than the blood of goats and calves. That's why we needed Jesus' blood. He became the sacrifice. Because it says, for Christ entered, not into the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on your behalf. Okay, time for a jig or something. Hello, everyone can clap. I don't know. That's exciting. This is exciting. Jesus has offered himself as a sacrifice, became your high priest, and then offered his sacrifice to God in the heavenly of holy of holies on your behalf. Everyone in this room, I don't care what your past looks like. Scrub that out. I don't care what your last week looked like. I don't care what your morning looked like. I don't care that if you had a thought that... I, what's that ugly dude doing up there talking to us this morning? (laughs) Jesus offered his blood in the Holy of Holies on your behalf. Because God desires you so much, he died for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, I can preach. I'm not just a teacher anymore, so... Anyway, that was funny just to me. That's okay. I I just needed it. Um, Why should we know about Jesus as our high priest? Because this high priest continually represents you and I before God. Continually. He is an unending life. And his ministry now, the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ, is your high priest before God making you his his making him your advocate so no matter what your day looks like no matter what you mess up even if you are right now stuck in a sin stuck and usually we use the word why can't i think of the word right now someone help me addicted thank you i don't know if you said it i w- addicted to some sin I'll use the word stuck. I'm, I'm a nicer guy. So uh, you're stuck in that sin, and just can't, you can't get rid of it. You do it, and you repent. And then you do it again, and, and you've got to repent again. And then you don't feel like that second repentance was as good as your first one, but the first one didn't stop you from sinning. But now you're, you're not feeling it the second time like you thought you did the first time, and so you sin again. And so you try and repent again, and it's even worse. It's not even sure that my repentance is doing anything because I haven't stopped sinning yet. Am I not supposed to stop? And does, isn't repentance supposed to stop the sin in my life? If I had my little red X box with a button, I would push it, and it would sound like this. Ah. Eh. No! Jesus delivers from sin. Repenting from sin doesn't deliver you from sin. Repenting from sin gets you restored in relationships. You, so you're connected with Jesus so he can deliver you from sin. Amen? All right. So, and that is just the beginning. I could say that was my intro. Intro, are you ready for the rest? <laughs> verse 15, so chapter 4, verse 15 in Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So unlike all the previous high priests of Israel who had to offer sacrifice for his own sins, as well as the sins of the people, Jesus can now sympathize with our own weaknesses as a perfect man without sin. What does that mean? His heart of compassion is so pure, it's real. You and I can sympathize with everybody else around us, but only up to a point. Some people, we have more degree and some less. Some people will say, well, I, I give you my sympathies or whatever. You know, you can love someone, but there's always, whether you like it or not, there's still a broken part of us, especially in our soul, still affected by the fall of man that really your love is not as perfect as Jesus's love. Can you you admit that? Your love, no matter how nice you are, is not as perfect as Jesus's love. And Jesus can now sympathize with your weaknesses at a greater degree than I could ever do it. Not that I'm not supposed to try. But no matter how bad you feel, the word sympathize means he's feeling the same thing. Jesus is not appalled by your weaknesses. He's not appalled by your addictions and your sins. He's drawn to you because of them, because of who he is. He can't help it. So you sinned for the 30th time, just in a week. He's not saying, you know what? I've tried with this one. I'm giving up. That will never come out of his mouth. What's he saying? Come on, look to me. Come on, get your eyes back on me. Because if you get your eyes back on me, I can help. Get your eyes back on me. Come on, look to me. Not to me, David, Jesus, right? Look to me. He's calling you to look to him every day, all the time. So he's able to sympathize. He's affected with the same feeling of another. That's you. He's affected by it. No matter how sad you are, no matter how grief, no matter what it is, Jesus is feeling it. And he's calling your name to grab a hold of him. He's not appalled by you in your sin or your weakness. He doesn't like the sin. He's not winking at that. He died for that. He was torn to shreds because of your and my sin he was beat in the head and spit on and slapped and his beard was ripped out and if you look at history and describe how the the flagellations went the the, the cat of nine tails and all that whipping he went through he most likely had openings in his side where you could see muscle and possibly internal organs, not to try to... He did that because of our sin. So no, he doesn't wink at sin. But he loves you. He did that for you. And no matter where you find yourself stuck and whatever weakness it is, that weakness is a golden ticket into the presence of God. It's the reason... He's calling you up, because there is no deliverance without his presence. You need him more than anything else. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Labor refers to all your really idiotic attempts to try to please God, (laughs) which are exhausting. And heavy-laden refers to our sins and our weakness. He says, come to me, I will give you rest. That's what he promises. And then that leads us to 16. Verse 16, which says, let us, there it is again, this is talking about all of us, right? With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Someone stop the presses on this one. This is not how the Old Testament worked. Only the high priest himself went into the Holy of Holies. There was a big, thick curtain. He wore bells on the bottom of his skirt so they could continue to hear the bells moving while he was behind the curtain. And there's some traditions that say they tied a rope around his leg because as soon as they heard the bell stop dinging, they started pulling to get him out of that curtain because no one else could go behind there. But here we have Jesus offered his own blood sacrifice. He raises up from the dead. He ascends into heaven, passes through the heavens, right? He presents himself to God as our high priest. And then he looks back at us and says, hey, come on up. Come on up. I just made the way clear for all of you. Come stand with me. Come sit with me. The Bible says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Come and sit with me. Come, come be with me in the presence of the Father. In the presence of the Father. So we can have this confidence and boldness because our high priest is living forever. It's the same high priest. Every day, it isn't going to change. The throne of grace, receive mercy. Hello, that should be a nice red flag for all, well, not a red flag, but a nice marker for all of us because every one of us can go to the throne of grace and get mercy all the time. Mercy. Mercy is needed when justice is supposed to be applied. When you're guilty and you deserve punishment, Jesus as your high priest, as your advocate, says, "Up, Father... My blood is already applied. We confess that sin, and that connects us to that sacrifice that's already been completed. You don't have to beg for your forgiveness. It doesn't take three days to get forgiven from God, it doesn't take a whole series of prayers. It takes you confessing it to receive it. The forgiveness is already paid for. Don't confuse that part. Jesus isn't going to re-die for you. He's not going to go through that sacrifice again for that new sin you just did. He's already did one perfect sacrifice for all time. It's already paid for all of that. But when you sin, you break that kind of that fellowship. You, 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 you put a wedge between you and God and and you're just admitting, God, I I was wrong so that you can get back. Now, remember, this is a confusing part. And I like to try to make this clear. When you sin, you're not separated from God's presence. We're just talking about fellowship because the only way to get that fellowship back is to get back into his presence first. You go to his presence to ask for forgiveness. You can't ask for forgiveness outside the gate. You ask for forgiveness in the Holy of Holies. That's Because that's who you he, he, he already died and paid for. You're already a child of God. You didn't become not a child of God because of that sin. Okay? You're still... You didn't become unseated with him in heavenly places. You're still seated with him. So go to the presence and begin to talk with him again, over and over again. In fact, the closer... I think I shared this with the Sunday school class this morning. The closer you get to God the more you realize you need to repent more often in the day. (laughs) The more holy God gets to you, the more pure he gets in your life and so forth, the more that tends to make you, oh, jeepers, I'm so sorry, Lord. Another 10 steps, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, forgive me. Another 10 steps, God, am I ever going to get this right? So to close this up, and yes, there's usually an ending to my messages. We're going to go to Hebrews 7, verses 23 to 25, which says the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently. I just had to let you see that the The Bible says that, not just me. Okay, Permanently, because he continues forever. And because of that, or consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who, what? Draw near to God through him. So he's talking about the Father those he's able to save to the uttermost, uttermost, those who draw near to the Father through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for you. That's the second thing to know Jesus. That's who he is. He's your intercessor. As the high priest before God, he's continually praying for you. But his major prayer is that you come. Come come on. I'm praying for you. Come on to me. Come seek me. Come spend time with me. But I open up the Bible. It doesn't mean anything to me right now. Well, then don't open up the Bible. Just sit and say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And sit in silence. Or put on some music. Say, Lord, here I am. I'm just going to spend some time with you. The word save means to Actually, you probably have heard the word save in the Greek is the word sozo. What's really interesting is the, the root word for sozo that sozo comes from, if you spell it out in English, is S O S. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I was just getting ready for that. I mean, I've looked at that for years, that definition in the Greek, and I never caught that the root is S O S meaning safe in the Greek. <laughs> He's able to save, which also means to heal, preserve, to protect, to deliver. It's a really big word and what it can do. So what's this mean? Worship team, I think you can come up now. That's got to be a good sign. He's called up the worship team, right? All right. So consequently, verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Because he is a high priest forever who has passed through the heavens for us and brings us to the presence of God, he is able to save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. And I didn't come up with that saying. I think I heard it from Kevin 30 years ago. He can save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. Now that can mean someone who's never known Jesus. And that can be some of us in this room who've known him for years. Because some days are like the guttermost. And he can save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. Those of us who answer the call and draw near to Him. Draw near to God the Father through Him. You can answer that call. Anybody can, no matter where you're at in life right now. This is His intercession for us. This is what He's doing before the throne, interceding that we would answer the call to draw near daily. Even if it's just to say, Lord, okay, here I am, Lord. I have no idea what to do right now. I hurt so much or I failed so much. I have no idea what to do. But Dave says, I can just sit here and say, here I am, Jesus. And yep, you can. And you can trust that Jesus is there. He's brought you into the presence of God. You are before the Father. And his blood continually washes us from every sin. That's what John tells us in his gospel. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. That phrase there encompasses both fellowship with God and fellowship with our our brothers and sisters. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from all sin as we walk in the light the perpetual blood of jesus just keeps working and it's not an effort on your part except to draw close to him and whatever that looks like if you struggle with that if that's a thing that's difficult for you to do ask somebody to help talk to your pastors talk to the elders of life church ask one of them they'll They'll sit and figure out how to help you get into the presence of the Lord. I know they will. They better. I'm the chair of the elders, so they have to do something, right? Okay, just kidding. Just, all right. I'd like to pray with you right now before we go to our last worship song. If you're here today and you've never committed your life, you've never drawn to Jesus, never drawn to God God through Jesus yet ever in your life, this is a good day for you. Because you can right now, today as we pray. And if you're struggling getting into the presence of God, this is a good day for you because you. we will pray for you as well. We'll pray now. We'll have one more song of worship. And then I'll close with a blessing. And then we'll call the prayer teams forward and people can come forward. And if you've either received healing, if you felt God moving in your back, praise the Lord. You can come up to the prayer team, let them know, let them pray over you again. If you just made a first-time commitment to Jesus Christ, come up forward, tell the prayer teams, let them know they've got some materials they can give you. And if you've been struggling and you've been walking with the Lord for a while and we pray and this recommits you, come up and tell the prayer team, let them pray with you as well. You don't have to, you get to walk out and go home But you also get to come up and have someone on the prayer team agree with you. Because the word says, wherever two or three agree, it's nice to have another two or three. All right? So, Father, right now, if you would pray with me with this, it's just everybody in the room, and uh, say, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. I believe in your sacrifice for my sins. I accept you now as my high priest, my Lord, my Savior. Come into my heart now. Take me over, Lord, whatever that looks like. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and I will be filled. Jesus, I pray that in your name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. And for those of you who are believers and just struggling, that prayer works for you as well. Just come to him.